hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We're continuing on in the book of Ruth. <clears throat> I'm picking up chapter, Ruth chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And I'm going to split them into like two groups. So I'm going to read 13 through uh, 16 and come back and talk about them and then pick up 17 on to through 23. I titled my message tonight, and you may not understand it until we get there about halfway through this message, <clears throat> Handfuls of Purpose. And you'd say, Pastor Ron, I read this chapter, and I don't see where it talks about anything about handfuls of purpose. Shouldn't it be handfuls on purpose? Well, we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your presence here tonight. We ask you, O oh Lord, that you administer to us. Hide me behind your cross, and you minister to your church as only you can. We commit this into your hands. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And I'm taking this, I'm reading it from the New King James Version, except I have one, I'm going to go older than that yet tonight. I'm going to do it from the old King James. Yeah, we're going to get one of them in there from there tonight to make my point, okay? So Ruth 2, 13 through 23. It says, Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread into the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied, and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. I want to back up even a little bit more. It's, not even, it's, it's on the outline. It's, it's, I'm going to take, read a little bit from verse 11. <clears throat> Boaz said to her, it has been fully reported to me. As she's come back, remember they were in Moab for 10 years. Naomi and her family moved there. One of her sons took Ruth as his wife. And the other took Orpah. I'm going to give you some useless information that you may already know. But Did you know that Orpah is Oprah's real name? Yeah, yeah, Orpah, take it right out of the Bible. Nobody could ever get it. They kept calling her Oprah. Finally, she gave up and just changed her name. Yeah, so that's just some useless information, okay. <laughs> so the two daughter-in-laws, while they were there, Naomi's husband died, or both her sons died. It was very tragic, and finally she says, I'm going back. I'm going back from where I came from. Orpah went back to her people, but Ruth said, no, I'm going with you. 
Your people's going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. So this is a dyna the dynamic of a small town that, you know, at that time Bethlehem wasn't real big, okay? Bethlehem means house of bread, okay? And from the tribe of Judah, it's the land of praise. And so that's where they're going back to. And so Boaz is saying to Ruth, oh, I've heard about you. I know about you. <clears throat> you're the one that left all your people to come out here with Naomi, and you're staying with her, and what, what a blessing you are, and boy, that's, that's pretty brave. And in that time period, that was very brave. Women had no rights whatsoever. It wasn't quite as bad as what you see today going on in Afghan with the Taliban, but very close. Very close. Women only had run a house and they have babies, and that was it. And when the husband died and the sons died, there was no one to take care of them, no one to make a living. They couldn't, they were not allowed to work. And so <clears throat> they go back. And as they're going back, Verse 12 says this. Here's what he says to the Lord. Repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. That's a marvelous thing for him to say. So we're going to talk about here in a, in a, in a minute or so about the Moabites. They were not good people. Remember the story of Lot and his wife? She turned to a pillar of salt because she looked back. And all that transpired there in Sodom and Gomorrah, they thought it was the end of the world. And the two daughters looked up and said, well, daddy's the only man left, so we need to make children with him. And one daughter, Moab, the Moabites. And the other daughter was Ammon, the Ammonites, both ungodly people. And so... Boaz encouraged Ruth. Here's something we can learn from this. He's encouraging her in the words that he said, but he's encouraging her as if she's a new convert to God. She's following the Lord God of Israel. And there's a writing that I took. Charles Haddon Spurgeon is a famous author and a famous theologian, one of the, probably the best. There isn't, a Bible school, I don't care what background, Christian Bible school, what the background is, they use his materials. And he said this about these verses. He says, observe that he saluted her with words of tender encouragement, for this is precisely what I want all the elder Christians among you to do to those who are the counterparts of Ruth. I want you to make a point of looking out for, out for the young converts and speaking to them goodly words and comfortable words, whereby that they may be cheered and strengthened. Spurgeon. If you get nothing else tonight, that's, that is a great word. Too many times we forget how it was to be young. Or we look down, oh, the that you know, it's... See, some in my generation have this idea, well, if we don't do church this particular way, then it's not church. And that's hooey. God uses each generation. 
to reach those that they can reach. The rest of verse 12 says, under his wing, it's a beautiful picture, the imagery of probably like a tiny bird snuggling up under the wings of a foster mother. It gives a picture of trust and security. Psalm 17.8 says this, and there are several verses I could have chose for this, but I like this one. Says, I wonder if this comes, you know, this saying we still talk about, they keep me as the apple of your eye. This is David writing this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Now, God doesn't have wings. But he's talking about, as you see the rabbis, and they wore their shawl. You know, the corners in the front are called the wings. So we have this idea when the lady said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And we show the pictures when he's down there touching his hem here. No, she was wanting to get there. If I could only touch the hem of his garment. If I could touch those wings, I know I'll be made whole. So that's what this idea is and what, what, what he's talking about. So <clears throat> Ruth saying this in verse 13, it's our next slide, says, let me find favor in your sight. You can also translate that a little differently, like, since I have found favor in your sight, you can translate it that way. This is a very polite way of saying thank you to Boaz. Ruth was almost overwhelmed by his kindness. She's a Moabite. They don't think highly of them. She knows that. She knew that coming with Naomi, but I'm coming into a land where I'm going to be looked down upon. And yet, overwhelming overwhelming thankfulness was coming for her be how Boaz was treating her. And he was polite enough to really say, thank you. Thank you. Ruth 2.14 and it says this, now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. <clears throat> you can translate that a little differently. That, what they dipped bread into was a combination of vinegar and wine. I've often wondered that's where we get red wine vinegar from, is that idea. But it's a picture, bread and wine, of communion, the Lord's Supper. You see that in the Old Testament. Dip your bread in the vinegar. Perhaps now we see the first hint of a romance starting. Boaz shows great kindness and favor to Ruth at mealtime. It would have been enough just to have invited her to share in the meal, but he not only shared in the meal, she stayed over the special part was that sharing of the bread and wine. And there she was with them. And she says she ate and was satisfied. Ruth was satisfied because she answered the generous invitation of Boaz. She was not one of the reapers, but she sat beside the reapers, ate as if she was one of them, and she ate and was satisfied. So here they are having their, we call lunch. And so she's done. She's going to go back to work. It says, Boaz, as she's leaving, he tells his guys, let her glean, 
even among the sheaves. That is just not done. That's the good stuff. Those guys are saying, Boaz, what are you doing? This is a Moabite woman. What are you letting her have some of the good stuff? Because I have found favor. Or she has found favor in my eyes. You know, that word favor can be translated grace. She has found grace. That's what grace is, isn't it? Unmerited, undeserved favor. And so he's saying, drop off some of the good stuff. You see, in God's plan, he had a plan. In Leviticus 19, 9, and 10, was talked about for the poor. They were supposed to leave the corners of their field and the sides of their field. And once they came out and reaped that land, they couldn't come back for a second swipe. And anything that fell off and hit the ground, they couldn't pick it back up. That was all for those that, to go, go get it that were hungry and need to be fed. It was a welfare system where they just didn't sit around and wait for a check to come in the mail. They got out and worked for it. Huh? That's God's plan. And they had their dignity. They, were able, they weren't treated badly. And they went over and they were glean. That was theirs to do. That was theirs to have. But he tells her, I'm going to read first what we read in the text of the New King James Version. Is, is Ruth 2.16. Bring it up, please. This is from the New King James Version. It says, also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. In other words, don't you be talking under your breath like this shouldn't be happening. She's a Moabite. He was, did not want anything like that being said. He didn't even want her to hear anything like that. And he said, let this happen. Notice what the King James Version says. This is why I wanted to talk about why I named my, uh, titled my message, Handfuls of Purpose. Those translators understood that, yes, it means on purpose. In all but your translations, most of the translation will say, on purpose, do this. But the King James translators understood there's more going on here than just him dropping these things for her because Boaz represents Jesus Christ. And you understand that Ruth represents the church. And so here's what they, let's go back. Don't go, stay there, thank you. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, not on purpose, of purpose. Leave it here. Leave this up. I want to talk about this. Because in all of our lifetimes, we've seen people, God's blessed them. They started out maybe picking at the edges and just getting what they could to get by. But God says, I'm going to give them, handf- I'm going to give them handfuls of purpose. I'm going to give them handfuls of blessings. I'm going to touch into their lives and allow them to prosper. See, that's what those translators saw in that verse more than what the newer translations read. That God was going to give them handfuls of purpose. I've been thinking about this to get some illustrations. And the one that comes to mind the most is, you know, as someone had said about 
as Gregory did when he evaluated his prayer. Yes, God did ordain music. Yeah, I was thinking about when he was playing, Dylan, where are you at, Dylan? When he was playing that guitar like that, I thought, Lord, let him praise him on the stringed instruments. Praise him on the string instruments. Praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. Huh? God gave us music. And we've seen in the lives of so many people that were raised in the church and God gave them beautiful voices. See, I get to make a joyful noise. <laughs> I can't sing. But there are some people that God has just gifted with that ability. And many of them have come up in the church. Aretha Franklin is one that I think of. Mariah Carey is another one. But the one that I want to talk about for a moment, how tragic her life was, her mama, Sissy Houston, was a gospel singer, sang gospel music her whole life as Whitney Houston. That lady was gifted from heaven. And just bless people. And she sang up and grew up singing in the church and singing for the Lord. And that's why God gifted her like that. That's what he wanted her to do, to be able to use that handful of purpose that he's given to her, to be able to touch into other people's lives, that they'd be able to see Jesus in those things. But the world gets in the way. Now, it's not that she couldn't do other songs, but how tragic a life that started out like that ended up overdosing on drugs. You see this kind of stuff over and over and over. Many of it, you see people that God has blessed, God has touched their lives, and all of a sudden those things that they have become so important to them, more so than even serving the Lord. But I want you to see what he's talking about when he talks about the, hand, the King James translators, why they did that. For the handfuls of purpose for her. I want to bless him. I want to bless her. And you not only see that there, you see there's some... Zach Foster, where's he? Is he in here? Oh, he ran out. He knew I was going to talk about it. I got his permission first. He first told me no, and I said, well, I'm going to use you anyway, so... That young man is gifted on computers like you know, cannot believe. God has gifted him, and he's using it for the glory of God. And may he forever do that. For in this story, that's what you see of Naomi and Ruth. As she's decided, I'm going back home. I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to Bethlehem, the house of bread in the tribe of Judah. The land of praise. And I'm going back. And that's how it should be our prayer for those that have kind of got caught up in things they shouldn't. Oh, Lord, let's bring them back home that you'd use them. You know, Elvis Presley grew up in the church. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, it's Method, Tennessee, Assembly of God Church. He sang there. He used to sing for the Lord. Did the same thing. We see this over and over and over in life. That shouldn't be. God has gifted us with different abilities. We all have different things. 
There's some people that God has gifted that they're just so beautiful that they end up on front of Vogue magazine, huh? And the rest of us have to wait till we get to heaven to see what we look like. <laughs> because God wanted to use them and does this and wanted to be able to use them to be able to bring glory to his name and use them as a witness to be able to touch into other people's lives. And every one of us, there's some of these young people here, some of them were so good at sports, it's just amazing. And we see the sports teams, and there's many of them that do serve the Lord. There's many of them that's doing what God wants them to do, to be able to take that fame and take that and use it to be able to share Christ with others. And so whether you're famous or not, that's our whole purpose, isn't it, church? Huh? That's why we're still here, to be able to be a vehicle in God's hand to say, God, may my purpose be used of you. Okay, next slide, please. It says, of purpose, not on purpose. And that's why. That's why I wanted to explain that to you, why that was that way. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 23.3, we talk about the Ammonites and the Moabites, I kind of touched on But here's what God's word says. An Ammonite and a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Well, it talks about the 10th generation. 10, in biblical numerology, the number 10 means complete. So that's why they said, even out to the 10th generation of the complete amount of time. No. Aren't you glad we're no longer under law? Huh? But do you even see in the story of an Old Testament story, the grace of God is shown and bestowed upon Ruth, God's favor through Boaz is on her. But that's why it talks about this, because they were not God's people. Psalms 108, 7 through 9 says this. Verse 7. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head, and Judah is my lawgiver. And notice what he says about Moab. Moab is my wash pot. Leave that here. I want to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to talk about you, honey. Poor Linda's had a, had a lifetime of this, so she's finally, hopefully getting used to it. That's my wife. She's from the hills of Kentucky, the Appalachian Mountains. She grew up one holler over from Loretta Lynn. I don't know why she couldn't sing like that, but that's just how it came out. That, that handful of blessing went one holler over. <laughs> she was from Greasy Creek. Who comes up with these names? But that's where she's from, up in the holler of Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky. You see, this doesn't mean so much to us this way, but I'm going to add to the story. 
You see, in those days, they wore sandals. They'd walk miles. They didn't have cars. They didn't have that. They were filthy. They'd walk for a long way. They'd come to someone's house, and they'd be filthy. So they usually have a servant with a pitcher there. They wouldn't put their feet in a bucket of, I mean, into a wash basin with water already in it. They just wouldn't do it. Because they had no idea whose feet had been in there before theirs and how filthy and all the dirt that could be in there. So what they do is they take that wash button and, the, and they'd sit down and the, and the servant would take a pitcher of water and run over all that dirt and all that would go into that bucket and they'd clean it and they'd, they'd dump it out, the wash pot. But they, they use that for another thing too that they don't talk about in the Bible, but I'll share it to you. Linda was a kid, what'd you call that, honey? Nice and loud. That, bu- that wash bucket was called a slop jar. You ever heard that term before? See so what they do in the evening, so they didn't, because they didn't have inside plumbing, it was too late to take the kids out, they'd use that to take care of business before they went to bed in that same wash pot. You see, what would be a better translation for us today than saying Moab is my wash pot? What would be applied so you'd understand what he's really conveying? That Moab is my toilet bowl. Oh, that changes it, doesn't it? And so, that's why Ruth, she understood this. She knew that that's how they thought about her. That's why, why is all this happening? Why is Boaz doing this to me? But there's a purpose for the blessing. Ephesians 2.4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Hallelujah. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. That's shouting ground, isn't it? When you think about that one. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, or good purposes, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we are his workmanship. You could also translate that, For we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, every one of us has handfuls of purpose that's been dumped in our laps. The real question is, what are you doing with them? Are you using it to bring glory to his name? You see, God bestowed gifts upon men. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Also, I want to do that also out of the King James Version. Because it says this, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, he's bestowed gifts. You can look at that two ways. It's not based on repentance. 
Or you can also look at it that they're irrevocable. He's given them to us, whether we, whether we live for them or not, we've been gifted. But the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He's bestowed upon the just as well as the unjust. I had a man that I worked for for many years. Most of the pastors, the churches I pastored were small, and so I was, the fancy name was a bivocational pastor. That means I had to have two jobs. <laughs> and my boss that I worked for, he hired me personally, he was the president of the company. And an amazing man, very gifted in business. God had gave him a mind that was unbelievable. All, of us, all the sales team, and I was one of them on, on that job, and we'd get together, and he, he would talk to us, and he would explain stuff, and all of a sudden, we, we were all out in left field, and it took him a while to get us to see how he saw it, but once we did, I said, okay, we, we get it. The light's going on. But God gifted that man in business. As far as I know, he never accepted the Lord, but it's not that he didn't hear. He heard it. I told him one time as I was talking to him afterwards, and he said, no, no. I said, Bob, you drag your feet, you, 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 you refuse, but yet out of your sales force, most of us are Christians. Why did you hire Christians? And he said, oh, that's easy. I know they won't steal from me. Huh? But if you want to look about how God operates, God took a man that gave a brilliant mind to be able to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And God used that to be able to take what he wanted us. We would carry out his instructions. And the handful of purpose that was in his lap came over to our lap. God used it not only to bless an ungodly man, but he used it to bless godly men and their families, Christian families. That's powerful, isn't it? And we can look all around us and see all those things at work, how God is doing that. Okay, we're up to verse 17 of Ruth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this through verse 23. I'm going to close yet, I promise. Verse 17. Now, she, remember, she had lunch. She went back to work. She worked till evening getting going out, picking up all this stuff. Remember, his guys was just dumping the stuff. Not only was she picking it up off the ground, he was pushing the good stuff and making the, some of the sheaves over toward her. There's an old hymn made me think of was reading that about sheaves. Remember the old song? How many here remember the song, Bringing in the Sheaves? Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Uh, I just thought of that when we were talking, when reading this. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. You can get a couple definitions on that. Some say an ephah is four gallons and some say five. Some are just going to say four to five gallon container. Now most of these poor people that are out there getting this and picking up what's left, scraped out enough to go home and feed their family for the day. She's coming back to Naomi with a four to five gallon container that is full of barley. And I'm wondering as she's having all this happen to her, what the others who were alongside of her were saying. Why does she get that? Hey, I'm an Israelite. 
I'm poor, and it's just like she's poor, but she's a Moabite. Why are you doing that? And Boaz could say, because I chose to show favor to her. That's a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done for you and I in this. He's chose to show favor on us. And so, can you imagine she's walking in to wherever they were staying? And verse 18 says, Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back. Remember, she even took a doggy bag from lunch and took to, her, to, took to Naomi. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back. That's what it's talking about. After she had been satisfied. So now that she get all that barley, she got whatever they had for lunch in her doggy bag. Can you imagine what Naomi must be thinking? What is this? How'd this happen? How did you do this? Remember, Naomi <coughs> has said, no longer call me Naomi, which meant pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. See, she was bitter against God. We went over there, we tried to scratch out a living, and my husband died, my boys died, and left us women just stuck in a culture that doesn't even recognize women. And she was bitter. She even said it. She was bitter. And now they're coming in with all this stuff. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I had worked today is Boaz. Naomi knew that name, Boaz. She understood the term kinsman redeemer. That means it does more than just a relative that's available to men. See, what they would do is because if the women ended up with no man in their life, they're stuck. So another relative in the family would step in and marry her to be able to produce children through her and to be able to carry on the lineage. That was Bible time. That's what they did. So not only as the stories get to this place, Ruth is in love. She's falling in love with Boaz, and I'm sure Boaz is falling in love with her to see this. But you can see what Naomi's doing. This bitter woman that was, had given up on life and given up on God, but she did one good thing. She kept going. See, when you face great trials and you great, face great things that just seems beyond your control and you don't know what to do, just keep walking. Don't start talking. Keep walking. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Because God will direct our steps. You may not get it at the time, but you will. I can look back on things in our lives. Linda and I, we struggle with some things, and we just say, what is going on, Lord? Didn't get it at the time. But 20 years later, I could look back and say, oh, I see God's hand working all of that. 
We all face stuff like that. Just keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. And so, you see in the story, Ruth's falling in love with Boaz, and Naomi's reintroduced to Boaz. She's coming back in that family after 10 years of being gone. Verse 20, then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relative of ours, one of our closest relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out and with his young women and that the people do not meet you in any other field. In other words, don't go in the other field trying to glean. You stay with this guy. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of harvest. And she got the barley harvest. And I'm sure she had an ephah of, of wheat harvest. And she dealt, dwelt with her mother-in-law. That's quite a story, isn't it? It's God's moving through all of this. I want to close with reading one more set of verse of scripture found in Deuteronomy 6:10. And it kind of talks about when we talk about the handful of purpose handfuls of blessings. Here's what God says about this. This applies to you and I today, too. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Next slide, please. Houses full of good things which you did not fill. Hewn out wells, what you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees, what you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, verse 12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Our handfuls of purpose can become handcuffs if we're not careful. The blessing that God has given us in these handful of purpose, you see people get locked up in, get the, in other words, our stuff don't, you don't own the stuff anymore, the stuff owns you. Now be real careful with this. God warns us of this. Handful of purses can become a handcuff. How does it become a handcuff? When we no longer are following God's purpose. We've turned it into something else that brings glory to me. You see, when it becomes about us, something's very wrong. Oh, Lord, may those of you, that, if there's any of you in those kind of handcuffs, may they be delivered. Jesus, set them free that those handcuffs can be broken. Because the only thing that matters at the very end of all of this is to hear, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. Huh? It's the only thing that matters. Everything else just comes and goes. Oh, that the handfuls of purpose would be God's purpose. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.